This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original series. I'm Norman Lau, and here we are, Trailer Park 2. We have a lot to get to tonight, and we have even more than a full team, because we have the Chief. How are you, Chief? I'm doing well, Norm. How are you, sir? Doing good, thanks. And we have Mr. Atos. How are you, Mr. Atos? I'm doing great. And then later on in the show, we have a very special guest. We will be bringing in and beaming in for the first time on Standard Orbit, Mrs. Ataz, Megan Harlan. Hi, Megan. Hi. So welcome to the show. And there's a very special part that I know that you're going to be able to want to talk to later on in the show. But for right now, we did Trailer Park 1 and we covered the first 10 years of seeing trailers in the theaters from 1979 to 1989. For this trip down Transmat Lane, we are setting the temporal filter of Mr. Ataz Atavikron to 1991. And we're not just traveling back in time, as we said before, we are traveling back in memory to 1991 and moving towards the present day as we continue our ramp up to Star Trek Beyond. That's for Chris Jones. Very well done. And I think I may have blown out somebody's speaker. (laughs) (laughs) So 1991, the undiscovered country. And then we're going to touch a little bit on generations and the first two installments of both 09 and in uh, to darkness, because those are the um, I don't know. Do you guys like using the phrase JJ Trek? That seems pretty. I do um, not. I don't either. I don't I don't like that either. I prefer to call it either the new timeline, the alternate timeline. Um, sometimes I call it the ST11 timeline because it's the 11th film. So, yeah, I understand. I mean, it's an unfair description. I know it's easy for people to levy that against those films, but I think that once we finally get through those previews and into the Beyond second trailer, and then Jeff and you and Mrs. Ataz are going to be able to talk about the fan fantastic event that you guys went to uh, last weekend, last weekend being May 19th. So we're going to get right into the trailers here and let's take a listen to, not a look to, because listening to the show back um, a week ago, it just didn't make sense when we said look at. So let's listen to 1991 Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. I offer a toast, The Undiscovered Country. Vision of the future filled with adventure and the unknown. Heroes 
and hope. Kirk Enterprise. Paramount proudly presents the final mission of the crew of the Starship Enterprise. Fire. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Rated PG. Starts Friday, December 6th at a theater near you. Well, that's actually, it's a good trailer. It's not the trailer that, in, in my heart of hearts, that I remember most. When I saw the trailer for Star Trek VI in the theater originally, it started off with all the original scenes from like the original series, then it culminated with the Enterprise going into warp. But this trailer, the one that we just listened to, it's a little bit more of um, yeah. a hodgepodge um, and bits and pieces of the movie itself. You saw, uh, there's, there's a lot of nostalgia built up in this. You see a lot of age now on the characters because we're talking Star Trek five was 1989 and now this is 1991 when these actors are getting into this age range years are really turning into a lot of miles and I think after Star Trek five we weren't expecting a six Atos were we it was kind of up in the air at that point I think yeah, it, it. But you could feel the sentiment of a lot of what was going on in here. There's some really nice action. Uh, a pretty implausible jump by Captain James T. Kirk. Um, Gravity some nice shots lower on Kittimer, <laughs> and then some nice shots of the Klingon Empire. So it's nice. It's you're, you're seeing a lot of kind of the, the 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 classic tropes of the original series movies. You're seeing Captain Kirk in action. You're seeing the crew kind of like rallying to his side. You're seeing Klingons at dinner with them, which I thought was interesting. So for me, the trailer that we just watched, I don't think was the best trailer that showed off this movie, but it did get a lot of ideas flowing and it showed off a couple of pretty interesting in scenes. Um, I don't think it was the best trailer in the world, but I don't know. What do you think, Atas? Yeah, this is not the one that I remember when I think of the trailers for this movie. Um, like you were saying, the, the first teaser that they put out with the Enterprise going by with all the clips showing on the hull. I mean, that that's just one of my favorite Star Trek trailers of all time. But uh, the other one, uh, there was another trailer that they released that started off with the explosion of Kittimer, and it has some voiceover from, uh, you know, talking with Spock saying, you know, the Klingon Empire is, or it was uh, the Admiral saying Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it, and it's... You know, it goes into some of the other plot points in that one, and it's a little slower paced, but it gives you a better feel for what the story is about. This one is just fast clips, one after the other, just stick, you know, just bam, 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 and just throwing it at you, and it's really hard to follow what's going on with this trailer. Now, Ken, do you think that the one that we just watched, because we're all watching the same source, do you think we watched a teaser trailer or a television teaser? Well, I think it's a television teaser because it's 30 seconds or so it wasn't very long i didn't time it out but that was that was my impression because it was pretty high speed low drag you know all all they really had to do was put up on the screen sorry about star trek 5 we're using ilm again this is gonna rock see you at the theater (laughs) but they didn't uh they just threw all these different things in there really really fast and uh it it looked like a it looked like a high speed movie you know when you when you when you see this trailer i mean it's just explosions and and lights and people shooting phasers and things along those lines so i don't think it really captured the essence of the movie like the other trailers did and i agree with you jeff i think the best trailer was the um 
the one with the they gridded out the hull and and there's 25 years of of Star Trek on it but uh, even that one really didn't advertise the movie much 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 more of what it was celebrating than the movie itself yeah that was more about it's the 25th anniversary of the series this is the last movie that we're making with the original crew you know come here and we're going to have you know just kind of a, a going away party well, it's, I think it's really neat that we're seeing this trailer and not necessarily something that we front loaded that's a little bit more impactful because in varying degrees of when people are watching movies, they're seeing either this trailer or that trailer. Not every single fan in fandom, especially in Star Trek fandom, they're they're not the catalog type fans where they're checking off a checklist of, okay, I've seen trailer one. I've seen the trailer 1.5. I've seen trailer two. I've seen the retcon trailer two. I've seen trailer three and so on and so on and so on. Because that's the way that trailers are nowadays. Everyone's like, did you see that one? Why haven't you seen Star Trek's trailer? Now I can't talk to you because that's going to be spoiled now. So that doesn't, (laughs) I don't think that's the way it was in 1991, but I know that there were some better trailers. I know there was that one trailer that we've all mentioned that is very near and dear to our hearts. So the one that we saw, unfortunately, the one that we're talking about right now, I don't think was the best. But Star Trek VI, that was a fantastic movie. And and in hindsight, because we're now we're talking in hindsight, in hindsight, this trailer did not do that movie justice knowing what the movie was all about. So No, that's true. It definitely yeah. didn't. It was and this movie was definitely the rose between two thorns. So it's it it really uh it, it was it was such a great film. And you know, as as you were talking, Norm too, I was thinking in nineteen ninety one there was no YouTube. You know, you 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 got what was what was put out in the theaters and as it got close to release you had a few ads on TV. So it was very, very limited back then, and it's it's easy to look back now at these trailers, but for each one that came out, I'm sure that all of us were like trying to pick out what was really cool about it and what got us excited. And because there was a lot of uncertainty uh, about uh, a six one being made, and I, I remember that very well, because gen- uh, the, um, well, the next generation was in full force at that point. And I still remember Harv Bennett, who wasn't pulled into Star Trek Six saying that, uh, you know, every two or three years you got to have uh, a big Thanksgiving turkey dinner. Well, now when you have turkey every night, it's it's a lot less exciting. And that was uh, kind of like the hint that there might not be a Star Trek six, but they pulled it off and, and, and thank God they did. It was it was a, it was a great film. And this trailer, uh, it worked. It worked for what it was trying to do. It was it was high speed and it was quick, but hey, it was going to pull us in. There was nothing in it that you went, oh no, nothing like the uh, the first uh, Beyond trailer that got all those reactions. So we're on. And I didn't see a lot of these trailers at this time either because I was growing. I was living in Germany at the time, and so the only time we saw trailers was when the movie was about to come to the base theater. And we had one TV channel, and they never showed movie trailers on commercials or anything. Because we didn't have commercials on AFN. We just had, like, basically, like, PSAs. That's right, yeah. No commercials allowed on Armed Forces Network. That's true. Like, Uh, ones to grow on? You know, it's like, you know, the more you know commercial, you know, PSA spots. And we had the, uh, um, um, like, I knew the UCMJ backwards and forwards before I was out of uh, elementary school. (laughs) Elementary school? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. For those that don't know, that's the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And uh, that was where the first time I ever saw the use of what they call stall media. (laughs) 
they would post the UCMJ on the inside of bathroom stalls. Mm -hmm. So while you were in there, all you did was read the rules and regulations and you couldn't get away. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, They have your undivided attention. They they do. They absolutely do. So I know that um, spiritually, we all remember six very well. And before we get into uh, Jeff's entry into, into Generations, that's something, actually, Generations is a trailer that I don't remember really at all. I don't know why. Maybe I haven't revisited. So, Jeff, um, why don't we springboard you into the, the thorn that Ken mentioned that was at the other end of the rose? Yeah, I don't remember trailers for uh, Generations at all either. Uh, probably, again, owing to being in Germany when I was uh, growing up. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and uh, take a listen to the trailer for Star Trek Generations. In space, there is no beginning and no end. But in one uncharted corner of our galaxy is a corridor to another world. A nexus where time and space collide. Past and future connect. And two generations will meet to join forces in a battle to save the universe. I take it the odds are against us and the situation is grim. You could say that. Sounds like fun. World one, engage! Let's go! with this one um (laughs) it starts off with this ominous voiceover and the music from the original motion picture which i guess fits because that was also the theme song for the next generation and it's talking about you know galactic war and stuff and then we see guys on horseback um it, it just didn't fit it was you know some cognitive dissonance going there for me but uh you know, all the special effects shots were recycled from the next generation. You've got the Bozeman coming out of like a subspace rift. Um, you got a Klingon bird of prey blowing up in the sun. Uh, it, it just, it, it didn't do anything for me. Well, it was a, um, it was an interesting trailer. I thought in the sense that if, if you were, if you take yourself out of it and you had, and, and you hadn't seen the movie, and and you're watching it and you're like, oh my goodness, this is going to be another high-speed action. And you're right, Jeff. Uh, I mean, all the special effects were pulled out of the TV show. And of course, they were the ones where just things were blowing up, which was not definitive of that of that TV show at all. It was it was very much the opposite. So you can see what they do when you're when you're trying to put a movie together and the things that they're trying to highlight. But overall, it was just I, I thought I was trying to be objective because I don't want my personal thoughts of the movie to interfere with the trailer. So was it a good trailer? And it wasn't. It was just all over the place. It just didn't make any sense. And I understand that, you know, you're not trying to put something together linear so you can figure out the plot. But 
I was just like trying to figure out the point and I couldn't because it was just all over the map. So I thought that, uh, I mean, I, I know I was excited to see this movie. I was, I was really pumped to see this movie. So the trailer probably did its job, but as I look at it now, it's like, boy, that was, um, that was really a weak hodgepodge there. They were taking advantage of the fact that it had a, a built-in audience, I think. You know, that's a fair point, because now we're kind of like taking a look at these trailers from the standpoint of what we know now versus the emotional content of what we had then. And that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we were making very clear about on Trailer Park is that we were trying to get to the emotional content of what we remembered, i.e. like the really great trailer from Star Trek Six that we didn't listen to. But I remember this trailer now after watching it again. And I remembered that the only real reason why I was excited about seeing this in the theater was that there were murmurs because the internet wasn't the thing. There were murmurs in the fan community that William Shatner was coming back to play Captain Kirk. And there was a tease out there saying that Captain Kirk was going to be killed in this movie to pass the torch to Captain Picard. So when I saw the two of them together... I said, okay, that's interesting because obviously they want to be able to give you that physical connection between these two captains. But there were other things involved with the trailer that just seemed to be a really poor translation of what I think the next generation was. I think you guys said that. That's a fair thing to say. It wasn't what the next generation was all about. Next generation wasn't an action show per se. There were great action moments in it, but it was it was still more along the lines of more of the cerebral show, I think, that a lot of people wanted. And to be fair, you're trying to squeeze the emotional content out of something that extraordinary that just happened with all good things and catapult it to the next phase of this storytelling, which is Generations. This trailer felt like it served too many masters. And I think that was happening in the the production of the film. You know, you're trying to appease the original series movie uh, crowd that has come with you again for since 1979. And then obviously with the original series. Now you're also trying to give the next generation fans something new. What a year after less than a year after the show was canceled or not canceled, but ended. So where do you go? What are you trying to say? The only thing that really kind of disturbed me a little bit was seeing Data laugh because obviously they're trying to do something new with the character. And that was just kind of like weird. So I don't think it was a terrible trailer, but knowing what I know about the movie and I'm not I don't want to offend anyone who loves Generations. I mean, if you love Generations, rock on. You're solid with that. That's your opinion. And that's fine. But when I watched that trailer, for me, it just as a trailer didn't really put a lot of pieces together as to why I should be excited about either supporting one franchise and that franchise's transition into another franchise. So that's just the way I feel about it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, I, um, I guess I wanted to be a fan of this movie because I'm a big fan of the next generation, but it's almost like uh, Kirk and the Klingons. I don't know if I can forgive them for the death of my captain <laughs> and, they, and the way that they did it. So. Well, yeah, um, after uh, all those years of uh, the captain on the bridge and ended with the bridge on the captain. Yes, it did. Spoiler alert. Ba-dum-bum. Anyway. Yep. Ba-dum-bum. Yep. <laughs> okay. So are we ready for the next one? So Star Trek 2009. This is a whole new genre, right, that we're going to be jumping into now. We're going to be jumping 14 years from the last time that we've seen the original crew 
five to six years before the after the last Star Trek movie was out, and I would say about uh, four years after Enterprise uh, was canceled. So a lot of things had changed, and Star Trek had gone dormant. It had gone quiet, and now Star Trek was coming back. It was coming back to the big screen. It was going to be bigger, bolder, and brighter. So let's take a look at this trailer, and then we'll make some comments on the other end. You always had a hard time finding your place in this world. Are you talking to me, man? You can settle for an ordinary life. I dare you to do better. Leonard McCoy. Jim Kirk. Good luck. So when we talk about this trailer, I do remember the first time I saw the 2009 trailer. It was a... um, it was a brief showing of the construction of the Enterprise. You just see an arc welding torch just kind of ignite. And you're not really sure what it is. You see the people with the goggles. And then by the end of the um, the trailer, it backs away. And you see that they're building the Enterprise, which was really cool. But then in this trailer, I do remember the first time seeing this in the movie theaters and not knowing it was Star Trek at first. Because just this motorcycle screaming by, and and there goes the the Corvette, and uh, and and off the cliff he goes. And then when he announces who he is, you know we're into the new movie. So that was a a pretty a pretty thrilling ride. And the movie just got me so excited. I mean, the trailer got me so excited for this movie. You have no idea because in many ways, uh, going back to the original cast for me was a huge deal. I, I wasn't worried about them recasting it and rebooting it at all because they're still my favorite characters. And, and the fact that they nailed it so well was was a huge plus. But the other part was, again, for me to see my Enterprise again, although they hot-rotted it a bit and made it much bigger, uh, it still looked pretty cool. And, it, and I was just so excited to just get Star Trek back into the movies and especially a production movie that you knew was going to have that same, I guess, um, huge, very um, big budget blockbuster type movie because Star Trek, that's the one thing they had never really done since the motion picture is is made it as epic as this. So uh, I was I was really, really excited. And uh, even when I watch it now, it brings me back to that time when I was anticipating this movie. And I'll tell you, it didn't let me down. Oh, God, where to start? Uh, okay. Ditto. You could say ditto. Oh, uh, ditto. Ditto. <laughs> um, after a certain amount of coming to terms with myself and checking myself as a fan, because when I saw not this trailer, I'm going to go back to the trailer that you were talking about, Ken, where you just saw like the arc welding tool you saw at the very end of that. You saw like the NCC 1701 and it said under construction. I remember seeing that in the theater and I'm like, I'm not going to swear, but I'm going to, I'm going to describe my expletive. No effing way. And I said that with a little bit of anger to myself. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't know why. It was in different space. We're all in different spaces when we see our trailers. You know, we're all in different places and, and, and our fandoms are in different, um, at different uh, volatile or calm uh, levels. This time I was volatile. I remember seeing the first trailer again with like the, what we just saw. And I, I literally said, 
What gives you the right? What gives you the right, JJ? How dare, how dare you? How dare you? The audacity of you thinking that you can do Star Trek. How dare you? And then I saw the trailer after that. I'm like, mm, mm, ooh, you know, what is this? So for this trailer and, and this trailer alone, I was um, not a fan. Uh, when this trailer came out, I was pretty much telling everyone not to go see it. And I know and this is me. This is this is the guy who talks and, and, and says it loves Star Trek and loves the original series. But when this happened, man, I didn't tell you I was not on board. It was not a favorite of mine. I was like, characterizations are all wrong. The energy's wrong. This is turning into some type of slick shoot 'em up, bang 'em up, you know, kind of movie. But I was judging from the trailer alone. And that's not a fair thing to do. I want to make that point very clear. That is not a fair thing to do when it comes to trailers, just like we did with Beyond, or or not not me or not any of my cohorts here, but many fans did with Beyond. And that's just not a fair thing. So when I saw this and understood it and reconciled and checked myself and left my ego at the door and left my entitlement at the door. I ended up loving this movie. I loved 2009 probably more than almost any Star Trek movie out there because I think in the heart of hearts, it got it right in many ways. And I didn't see it for what it was showing me at the time. And when I watched it again, it really does get a lot more right than it does wrong. It honors the original characters more than I think people give it credit for. And I do think that there are a lot of great touchstones in this that sets up Star Trek for a completely different audience a completely because like you said ken it was what 14 years since we've seen the original cast in their age range five or six years since we've seen the next generation as we saw them grow in age and then five or six years when we didn't see star trek at all on the air four years when we didn't see star trek at all so what do you do you make it accessible you make it young you make it energetic you make it relevant and when I finally got to understanding that, now I, I, I can appreciate this trailer for what it for what it is instead of what I thought it was. So I say shame on me as a fan for not giving it the fair shake. And um, and I grew with it. So I hope that everyone does, too, with some of the trailers we'll talk about later on. Yeah, I wasn't quite as uh, vehemently opposed uh, to all of this when it first came out. Um <laughs> I was a little on the fence. I, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it all at first, but I did think, you know, well, I'll give it a shot. I'll wait until the movie comes out. I'll see it and make my decision at that point. And I, I was willing to give it a, a chance, even if they did show the Enterprise being constructed on the ground. And I was uh, thinking, well, wait a minute, every other Star Trek has shown the ships being built in space. What's going on? But... Uh, you know, I, I, again, you know, I decided, you know, to withhold judgment until I actually saw the film because I knew that uh, trailers can lie to us because I've seen far too many trailers that painted a totally different picture of what the movie actually turned out to be. That's fair. And we're now in 2009, we're starting to get into, well, actually, we're far past the the mentality that studios had to really farm out the trailers. And we're talking about now well-orchestrated campaigns that are now, like I said, trailer one, trailer two, or teaser one, teaser two, and multi-tiered marketing strategies. So it's not like it was where you just kind of like had an idea, you had some fun, you threw some ideas at the board, see what stuck, see what didn't stick. There wasn't really a lot of, oh my God, did you see like, oh my God, did you see what happened on that trailer? And everyone just social media tweeting it, blasting it to 
death ad nauseum, you know, when something comes out, which is like within seconds. Yeah. Within seconds. And it's the damnation, the vilification of some stuff that comes out right now is just unbelievable. But at the same time, though, you get a lot of a couple pockets of fans that actually try and turn that tide around. So that's just the way that trailers are nowadays. That's that's the way that any media is consumed nowadays. I mean, Ken, what do you think about that? Oh, I think that's very accurate. It's 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 always going to be the the first reaction that um, I guess that that drives the the masses. And I don't remember in two thousand and nine there being like this big swarm of 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 negative negativism, if that's the right word. But at the same time, I wasn't dialed in. I wasn't a social media guy in two thousand and nine. I I wasn't on Facebook. I wasn't really paying attention to things. I was probably just on trekmovie dot com trying to follow it there. But I just know for me personally, you know, between you and me, our our, our reactions were 180 degrees different. And uh, it's nice to see that um, we can still genuinely be surprised when we go to the movies. And, and if we go in there not expecting much and it blows us away, that's a pretty cool thing. I was, I was expecting a lot, but I also got a lot. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Well... I think that our opinions are probably going to be a little bit more like in line now when we start talking about the next trailer. And this is going to be Star Trek Into Darkness. Now, this is this is four years, four years after the success of 09, because 09 was critically a success. I'm not talking in terms of the reaction to the fans. I know that the fans are still very split um, and heavily weighed against J.J., and I'm only using JJ, the JJ verse in quotes. I'm air quoting that because that's just the way that people have familiarized themselves with these movies. But in 2013, Into Darkness, the trailer, I tell you what, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to see this because I just wanted to see where they were going to push the story. So let's take a listen to Star Trek Into Darkness, the official trailer from 2013.
Wow. Um, I haven't seen this trailer in a while. Uh, and I have to say that I think it's still incredibly gripping. I think that as a trailer, it shows you just enough. It allows you to reconnect with the look, the aesthetic of this universe. It seems like they've pushed the design just a little bit further, but not that much further. But the characters are there. The characters are in the positions where you want them to be. And I didn't know at the time that it was going to be Khan, Noonien Singh, spoiler alert. But I think that because Benedict Cumberbatch at the time was such a hot property and um, an actor that was bringing in a lot of fans, I could care less if he was Khan or not Khan. I think that he played a great character in the movie. He had me completely intrigued when I saw him in the in the trailer. I loved seeing the Enterprise putting it, uh, getting put through its paces, hitting a body of water, coming out of a body of water. I mean, I know it wasn't the Enterprise at the time. That's who I thought I thought it was. It was the Vengeance that actually was slamming into the water towards the end. I thought it was the Enterprise. And the, I'm just seeing things that I've never seen before in Star Trek. I thought it was just... I'm a little kind of like, wow, I'm still a little bit speechless because it has me excited. It, again, I'm not lay, I'm not weighing it against what I know about the movie. I know what happened in the movie. You all do, too. So we're not going to get into that. But it's exciting. The, the, the trailer was exciting and it would definitely get me into the theater seat as a trailer should. That's the intention. And I think it succeeds. I agree. I think it was very, very compelling. The pickup where Star Trek 09 left off, it seemed perfect in the way they had the soft music playing. And, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of the uh, James, C- James Kirk birth scene in 09 with all this action, but this, this beautiful music playing in the background. And that dichotomy does something to you when you're watching a movie. And they captured it again very, very well in this trailer where it's very soft. It's kind of ominous. And it had the right title in being Into Darkness because you could see where this thing was spinning and it kind of picked up in the end. But for me, watching that trailer, it was very emotional because you were very, very concerned what was happening to your team, what was happening to the Enterprise, what was happening to its crew. Could Kirk find a way out of this? You see the scream. I mean, you hear the screams, you hear, hear it all go down. It was a... Very, very strong, powerful trailer. Yeah, I agree. It was a great trailer, and I wish the follow-up had been, you know, up to the the expectations that I got from this one. I mean, the the music was just perfect for what they were trying to go for on this. Uh, it was great setup. It uh, told you everything you needed to know going in about what to expect from this movie, uh, without spoiling anything really. Even with the misdirection of making you think that, it, you know, they're going to destroy the Enterprise yet again in the movies. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it was it was a great trailer. And even that is forgivable because they didn't actually show it being destroyed. And it's just kind of implied that, hey, well, maybe that's the Enterprise. Maybe it's not. Right. And it. The one thing that I think we all agree on that this trailer did is that it it did it invested our emotional interests. I think that's fair to say in, in many different ways, because we all react emotionally differently to all these different trailers. Again, it's just where we are at the time, the way our fandom has evolved, 
how we're connected with this particular reinterpretation of Star Trek, because that's really what this is. JJ's version of Star Trek is an interpretation of Star Trek, just like anyone else's Star Trek is an interpretation of Star Trek. So we're not going to debate that. We can, that, that that's debatable until the end of time. And, and fortunately for us, we have a time machine, so we can actually roll it back <laughs> with Mr. Hayta's help. But the one thing that I do want to get to, one of the reasons why we did this trailer park is because we wanted to get everyone really invested and energized again to start talking about Beyond. Because Beyond is really right around the corner. It's only, what, six weeks away-ish? It's about two, two months. months away. Uh, it's the uh, premiere is on July 20th. And then you and Mrs. Ataz, which is why she's here, we're going to get into talking about a very special event that happened on Friday, May 19th, 2016. I want to timestamp that just because I'm not sure when people are actually going to get a chance to listen to this live. But before we do, I just want to say that we actually did cover Star Trek Beyond Trailer 1 on Standard Orbit 113. So if you want to listen to that coverage, we went really into depth about the quote unquote Beastie Boys trailer. And that's not the spirit of where we want to take Trailer Park. We want to take it into this next trailer. We were hoping when we recorded the first episode of Trailer Park, Trailer Park 1, that the Beyond trailer was going to be what we wanted it to be, what we were hoping it to be. So I'm really excited that Jeff and Megan are here to be able to talk about that evening. So now the mic is all yours. Please let us know for all the people that didn't get a chance to attend how the whole thing unfolded. Um, well, we uh, started out the evening uh, showing up at uh, Paramount Picture Studios uh, out in uh, Los Angeles and you know, we uh, we went in. We uh, got our badges. We went over, and uh, they took us to Stage Thirty One on the Paramount lot, which is where they filmed the original Star Trek uh, back in nineteen sixty six to sixty nine, and that's where the event was held. Was on that stage. I'm sure that wasn't lost so, on people too, right? No, and uh, I I took tons and tons of photos when I was there. I posted them up on the Babel conference. So if you do a search, uh, you can find them. Um, I posted them, I think, uh, that evening or the next day. And the uh, um, the plaque on the outside of the studio has a list of everything that was filmed there, and it shows Star Trek was the first television series filmed there. Um, and we walked inside. There's, interestingly enough, there is a plaque, a uh, dedication plaque as you walked in for the USS Enterprise NCC-1701A. Um and I think it could most likely just be that that's the one that they happen to have in their uh, computer file and they were able to print it up because it's the one from uh, Star Trek four through Star Trek six. Uh, you look at the start date and it's like eight, six or whatever it was. Um, and that's from the original prime timeline and it's not from the new timeline. So that's not spoiling anything potentially. Um, Although maybe it is, and they're just misdirecting us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we walk through uh, uh, an actual, um, uh, it's like this hallway that's designed to look like an Enterprise corridor. And as you step out into the area where they're having the Q&A section that we started with, it's designed to look like the Enterprise bridge with some seats in the middle and seating all around. And it was just really well done, and it looked great. And they brought out uh, the uh, the MC for that event was uh, Adam Savage from MythBusters, and uh, 
he brought out J.J. Abrams and then Justin Lin, and they uh, they started talking. And I got some audio from this thing, and one of the things that really struck me was J.J. Uh, was clarifying some comments that he's really been bashed about since uh, the first movie came out that he directed, where... When he first went on, he went on John Stewart and he made a comment about how when he was a kid, he didn't like Star Trek. And people just gravitated on that and said, oh, J.J. hates Star Trek. Why is he directing Star Trek? In this uh, clip that I took, he clarifies that. And he says he calls himself a late adopter. He says he didn't grow up watching Star Trek, but he grew to love it as he was uh, watching it while he prepared to make the movie. And uh, the he also talked about uh, Justin Lin's uh, appreciation for it. So I have the uh, track one here for that. I'm a late adopter. I mean, to be totally uh, honest, and I've said this since the you know 2009 movie, I was not a Star Trek fan as a kid, and I realized what I missed out on because I got to fall in love with it watching the shows when I started working on the film. Um, and Justin Lin, who is an extraordinary guy, uh, and a wonderful director, and he did an amazing job on this. Uh, he was a Star Trek fan uh, from, I think, the very, very beginning. I mean, he would, he would watch with his, his parents and everything. He loved and knew this world so well, and he was really inspiring to talk to. And I just felt that this was someone who, unlike myself, loved it from the beginning. Uh, and though I fell in love with it later, uh, I feel like this is, you know, we were so lucky, all of us, to get to work uh, with Justin on this movie. They announced that they're going to be doing the premiere for Star Trek Beyond on July 20th. It's going to be held on the first day of Comic-Con uh, at uh, San Diego. Oh, what a mob scene that's going to be. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. Wow. But, uh, yeah, so they... Uh, um, and actually, uh, Carl Urban uh, made a con- comment <laughs> to, to that effect. Um, that's track three here, uh, which is uh, hilarious. Uh, he, he says that uh, Comic Con is uh, uh, disease and darkness, or wrapped in, or disease and danger wrapped in darkness and silence. <laughs> when he was talking about space, this, the, the line of space yeah. in Star Trek 2009. Yeah. yeah. It, this time he just changed space to Comic Con. Right. <laughs> um, they they took some other uh, questions, uh, some from the people there in the audience, some from uh, the internet. Uh, one of them, Chris Pine, was asked about uh, which other characters uh, he would like to play. Uh, and we'll hear in the uh, the clip here. I want to play Evil Kirk. Face. First response immediately, he says, I want to play Evil Kirk. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And I would love to see him play that. Oh, Mirror um, Universe then, Chris uh, Pine. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, that that would be amazing. And then the, the follow up on that, uh, he uh, he makes a comment that, uh, you know, other characters, you know, uh, he makes a little slip. He says, uh, 
I think I might have a little little bones in me. <laughs> and the, the the crowd just went nuts. But Zachary Quinto had the most hilarious look on his face. He just turns and looks at him, and he gives him kind of this, oh, really, look on his face. <laughs> and the, everybody just lost it. Now, before we take um, a look at the, the trailer, because the trailer, I think, shocked a lot of people, and I, I'm, I think mm-hmm. it shocked him in a good way. Megan, because... By osmosis, I have to believe that you've learned a lot about Star Trek from Mr. Atos. But what was your very first reaction to all of this, the spectacle of all of it? I mean, that's not something that you're used to seeing on a daily basis. That's not part of like your daily routine. So when you went there and you sat down with all of these people, what was the energy? How did you feel? Um, I was just like taking everything in and I couldn't really believe that we were actually there at the um, movie premiere and everything in the trailer and when we saw the trailer um, that the Nemor was actually in it it was like his spirit was still there and but it was hard to deal with him not being here with that so that was my take on it and then I do believe there were some extra scenes that were shown. Yes, after they finished playing the tr- the uh, the trailer, which apparently they released simultaneously on YouTube, because when we got our phones back, people were already blowing up on the internet talking about it. Okay, so they took your phones. Um, they took our phones, uh, put them in like these uh, sealed bags that we couldn't get into, and they were completely opaque, and you can't record it. I want to know how Megan felt about seeing this 50 minutes Megan because you're like I said you know you know Star Trek up to a point because you and Mr. Atos are have been together for quite some time I'm sure you've been exposed to a lot of it but when you're sitting there watching this how did it what did you see how did it make you feel did you like the characters did you get into it um I like the characters and I like when this ship exploded that was kind of cool like all the pieces like going everywhere (laughs) Basically the effects, yeah. Yeah, so the effects, and I like the characters, too. (laughs) She does does enjoy the spectacle of it, yeah. Okay. I would love to be a fly on the wall between Jeff and Mrs. Ataz coming back home in the car. Just, you know, just having the back and forth going on. But we might have to actually do that for a special a special uh, segment of Standard Orbit, maybe after hours or in the 602 Club. But before we get too long in the show, what I want to do is I want to be able to listen to this trailer mm-hmm. and really get our thoughts into it. And because I've only seen this once, I've been actually holding my thoughts about it for this show. So let's play Star Trek Beyond, the second trailer, trailer number two. That was released on May 19th, 2016. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time trying to be your father. Now you're wondering just what it means to be you. It isn't uncommon, you know. It's easy to get lost in the vastness of space. There's only yourself, your ship, your crew. 
You really want to head back out there, huh? What the hell is this? They're boarding us. Abandon ship! why you're here why we are all here our captain will come for us mercy will be the last thing on his mind i am counting on it fear of death is illogical fear of death is what keeps us alive Everyone who goes there, he kills. That's our friends out there. We can't just leave them behind. Unity is not your strength. It is a weakness. I think you're underestimating humanity. Hold on to something! Fire will! Do it! Do it! Pardon me. chief yeah how does that make you feel you know i was thinking about it when we were watching the Inter- into darkness trailer and i was thinking about the original beyond trailer um it is amazing the power of music and if you played the same beastie boys theme to this you would have had the same reaction you would have had of from the first one i guarantee it because i just know how people think and when you slow things down and you add those haunting tones and everything kind of just uh, is made more bigger, more ominous, it just draws you in more and more. And that was the same impact to me that uh, we had for Into Darkness. Now, I, I, I can't tell you, you know, how, how pumped I am to, to see this movie like I have been to see all of the Star Trek movies. There, is, there isn't one of them that I wasn't excited to see. Uh, the reactions all varied from from seeing them all, obviously, but uh, this trailer is a home run. It's an absolute home run. If if they had done that off the bat, it would have been probably a very different story. However, the turnaround wouldn't have been as dramatic. They probably wouldn't have had to have had a fan event. And because of all that, I think it really starts to launch the whole marketing campaign to get us excited for for beyond and and I hope the movie is very successful. If it's as successful as this trailer, I think we're in for a home run. And I think whether um whether people agree with me or not, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the people making the TV show to make something as impactful and as um and as relevant because I understand the feelings of a lot of the old-time trekkers and and not enjoying this this new interpretation of the show. I'm a big fan of this new interpretation as well as the old interpretation. I, I, I think there's there's room for both in this in this very large universe of ours. But it it will um it will be interesting to see if they can if they can capture um the drama, the impact, and just the whole spectacle of what they're trying to do with this. And 
you know, the, the first trailer we have for the TV show was just that, just a, a bunch of computer graphics to get us ready. If they can pull this off for the TV show, I think it could be a win-win in two stellar, um, exciting uh, programs for Star Trek fans. So I, I'm i into this, man. I, I really am. I, I cannot wait. I'm going to ask a question for Megan, and I'm going to ask the same question for you, Jeff, because I want to hear your your reactions to this. Megan, when you saw this the second time, do you have a completely different or the same feeling or or feel the same way about it now seeing it on a smaller TV than seeing it in the big screen with all the people and all the energy in that room? Um, I think when I just saw it now, I feel about the same way, but when I see it on the big screen, I'll probably feel a lot differently because it's like big and it's there and it's all really cool. <laughs> How about you, Jeff? Was it, is it seeing it different now? Um, like just seeing it and studying it the way that we're doing it for this show versus the emotion that everyone had in that room. Because I have to believe that when you have a really good movie crowd, the emotional content of certain things rides these huge cresting waves and everyone kind of shares that same experience. But looking at it now in a little quieter moment, does it make more of an impact, less of an impact indifferent? Um, I think it made more of an impact seeing it with the crowd there. Uh, just everybody was just really excited to see this trailer. And as it was going, I could feel, you know, just kind of everyone just excitement building as the trailer went on and we saw more and more of it uh, unveiled to us. Uh, and when they had the shots of, the, you know, apparently what seems to be the Franklin which looks a lot like an NX class. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> people just went nuts. Uh, I mean, it's like there are people going, is is that an NX class? Is that the Enterprise? <laughs> and people are, are wondering if that's, you know, about the connection between this movie and Enterprise. And that was really great to hear, especially since, you know, I'm also the co-host of Warp 5. But uh, um it was a really great energy watching it with the crowd there. And the people there were great because uh, there were some people standing around us that were quite a bit taller than us that let us stand in front of them just so that make sure that we could see the, the screen. And, uh, you know, everyone was really uh, accommodating uh, and really great uh, to each other. There wasn't any like shoving or pushing or anything like that when we were filing in there. You know, the emotional impact, you're right, Ken, I have to agree, the emotional impact of this trailer really has a lot to do with the way that we cut the sound and the music, because if you're not emotionally connected to what you're seeing, then the the variations and opinions can stray. But one of the things I liked about the first trailer, the 09 trailer and the Into Darkness trailer in 13 and now in 16, I like that there's still that through line of the narrative on top of what you're seeing because it's, it shows you where the character is or where the character is being taken. And it looks like there's a lot of reflection on Kirk. Like, are you ready for this? Are you ready to take that next step? And are you measuring yourself against the greatness that your, that your father was for those few minutes that he was in command are you, can you make that decision? And that goes all the way back to, I like what you said, Jeff, earlier, where, you know, we were talking about his birthday in, in that goes all the way back to the wrath of Khan, you know, on his birthday, Kirk was at his lowest, you know, it's, um, you know, how do you feel? I feel old and I feel worn out. 
are we seeing that? Are we seeing that played out here just a little bit in this? Because a captain is it's, it's the way that that they showed Pike at the beginning of the cage, you know, with he and the doctor. And they're talking about, you know, Pike's like, and I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't want to be responsible anymore. So I like seeing the echoes of that. Sometimes when people talk about that, the J.J. Abrams team doesn't understand Star Trek. I completely disagree with that. I think they know Star Trek more than you think. It's just that because of the way it's being repackaged, people don't accept that because all they see are the action scenes or the way things are a little too shiny or the over-designing of certain aspects. But when you look at the core of it, I think that they really do understand these characters. And seeing this trailer without the distraction of modern pop music, and I'll say pop music as a genre, rock and roll or rap, whatever you want to call it, going back to the classical aesthetics of Star Trek, the this uh, sweeping science fiction operatic type of on, you know, uh, essence is really returning it back to its roots. So when I saw that, I was down. I mean, I was 100% in all the way right into the deep end because I want this thing to be big. And I think that it was really smart that Paramount did this to really get the the fans because social media is really kind of like the litmus test of whether something is going to either succeed or fail from the initial response. And obviously what we saw in Beyond, which we talked about in episode 113 of Standard Orbit, wasn't the best response. So this had to win. There there was like no other choice. It had to win or the fans would go against it again. A second time around, literally like seven or eight weeks before the movie is going to be shown at Comic-Con. So this was a big win, I think, for the movie franchise. And I think they did a fantastic job. I think pretty much Ken and I, Ken and I are a little jealous that um, that uh, the the event was such a success. But you know, um, don't worry, Norm. I'm I'm sure Megan remembered to um, pick out some gifts for us. I can't wait to have my Star Trek Beyond poster that looks like the motion picture because you know I love that stuff. So you, yeah, you, you did do. you did hook us up, right, <laughs> Megan? I mean, you wouldn't forget us, would you, Megan? She's not responding. I don't really have any gifts for you, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving the poster to Fred. <laughs> Who's Fred? My uncle. Oh. It's her uncle. Okay. I see how this works. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. If anything um, ever happens in Boston that's big, which is a lot of things, I'll remember this day. Yeah. Um, going back to what I was talking about earlier, um, Try not to get into any spoilers, but uh, um, like I was saying, he's it, a lot of uh, that that voiceover from the beginning of the trailer is from that scene, and you saw them sitting at the bar. Sure. And he's talking about how he doesn't feel like he lives up to his father, and he makes he reveals to McCoy that this year he's going to be one older one year older than his father was when he died, mm-hmm. and so he's really feeling the weight of that, and he's. Struggling to, uh, McCoy says it straight up. He's struggling to, he knows who George Kirk was and he's trying to live up to George Kirk, but he doesn't know who Jim Kirk is and he doesn't know how to be Jim Kirk. And that's what this movie really seems to be about. That is so impressive when you hear it, you know, because the characterization of Captain Kirk has been in the realm of our science fiction lexicon and especially in star trek kirk is probably top tier as as a character as an icon but everyone believes that they know what kirk or who kirk is i say is in air quotes because we understand him from 
the original series or we understand him from the movie series that it was William Shatner. But I don't think that Chris Pine's Kirk has been given the fairest of shakes, if you will. And really looking at the entirety of his career on screen, we're looking at what a total of four and a half hours worth of, of actual movie time, five hours of actual movie time of which he is probably within 75% of that on screen. So what do we really get a chance to know? I don't, you know, it's like you're not, you're talking about that much time versus the entirety from 1966 to 1991, 90, when did generations come out? 94, 94. And in the, so that all of that, you got to understand all of that. James by Tiberius Kirk. Now you get to understand this James Ty Boner Arius Kirk because there's a little bit of bones in him. I said, right? So it but sounds yeah, odd. that was anyway. I <laughs> so I mean, there is a lot of stuff that we just unpacked, and a lot of stuff that I hope that all the listeners get a chance to see with these trailers and then watching beyond. But before we close the show out, I'd like for all of us to have at least one more opportunity to discuss just what we've seen how you feel about it, how we are are all excited about moving forward into seeing Star Trek back on the big screen again in July. All right. Um, yeah, I was just going to add that, uh, you know, as we've seen in the trailers, you know, clearly they're destroying the Enterprise uh, in this one. They haven't really made any secret of it. Uh, Justin Lin's actually come out and said it in interviews that he's doing so. Um, and one of the sequences that they showed us was that full sequence of that scene in the movie and it was handled really, really well. And I actually was brought close to tears. Uh, they handled it so well. The music was perfect. Um, and just the emotional impact of the sequence. They, it was clear that they recognized that the Enterprise is one of the characters in the series. And they dealt with it appropriately. Well, that's good to hear because that's something that has been just... Uh... A stick. It's been a thorn in my side for all these movies, to be honest with you. And uh, it's nice to hear. And I am so hopeful that at the end of this movie, we get a new Enterprise. I, I just hope they don't leave it as that that's the character we lose because it, it wouldn't be right. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the scenes that was in this trailer, it's uh, them standing together saying, you sure you want to go back out there? It seems to me that that would be at the end of the film and they're perhaps getting a new Enterprise. Well, we'll see. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so as well, yeah. Well, it's very well possible that they could use this opportunity to show an entire new fleet aside from just the Enterprise. Maybe Starfleet has been working on new ships and as they're looking at this, okay, so Kirk and the crew, they get their new Enterprise. The Enterprise would be the Enterprise A. And they would go on their mission. Perhaps on the side, you saw another ship. And that would be the ship that would continue the mission, perhaps for the new series. We don't know because we don't know what the time period is going to be. But it would be nice to definitely end on a happy note. And then we could have the boxed set trilogy that we can release for all of the Christmas items later on this Thanksgiving and fall season. Because <laughs> that's right. that's, it's, all, it's always good to uh, have a nice trilogy package in a nice Blu-ray box set or 4K box set. So, But then again, I'm mean, hoping against hope there too. So uh, for me, for my final thoughts, I think that this has been a fantastic journey looking all the way back to 1979 to now and seeing how the movies have progressed. 
seeing how our characters have progressed and seeing how all of our fandom has progressed. And I think that we're all pretty excited to see Star Trek back on the big screen. I do think that in the when history takes a look back at the way that these movies have been judged, I think that and and I'll admit it, you know, again, I judged it unfairly when I first saw Star Trek 2009. I I judged it irrationally and I judged it with purely emotional response. And I don't think that was fair. And I think that hopefully over time that people will get a chance to take this interpretation for what it means at face value and see that they actually push the narrative forward and brought Star Trek back into a more modern and realistic time frame and, and mental state for people, because you can't stay in 1966 and expect the narrative to be progressive. That's just, it's, it doesn't work. You know, it just, it doesn't. And I hope that this helps push the narrative forward for 2017, because as fans, we want to see Star Trek grow and flourish and evolve and evolutionary process is painful and it doesn't hit everyone's mark. But I think this time is going to hit more of the mark than, than it did with when they released the Beastie Boys trailer. So kudos to what happened with the fan event and the release of this new trailer. But talking about all of these Star Trek trailers from 1979 to now isn't the only thing that was being discussed across the network here on Trek FM. So here are a few things that you may have missed elsewhere across our subspace signals. Previously on Trek.fm, commentary, Trek stars. Every single one of these movies has been good. So the idea that the first time that he's going to make a bad movie, like the one where he's going to drop the ball, is a Star Trek movie written by Simon Pegg? That does not compute. Meta Trex. Wait, your your idea of Rise, Rise is like Fairhaven. Yeah, I, I like the I like the quiet, peaceful. I mean, every time I watch one of those... I don't want to see those Fairhaven uh, characters in bikinis. I'm sorry. Women at Warp. So, I mean, if it weren't for the little Kira O'Brien interludes, it actually is kind of a dark episode because the very last line oh, it's, is... Bash- it's incredibly dark, yeah. Yeah, Bashir asks Cisco, how could they have let things get so bad? And Cisco is like, I don't know. And that's the ending. And it's, it's basically a challenge to us. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So Mr. Atos, Mrs. Atos, it's been great having you on the show and thank you for participating and sharing your memories of that night. But Mr. Atos, if you could tell all of our listeners how they could find all of the different shows here on Trek FM across all of our internal subspace channels. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm and grab the RSS link there as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes, and it helps us to increase our visibility for new listeners. It sure does. And another way that helps us as a network increase what we do on a daily basis in terms of our bandwidth and in terms of the way that we can support what we're doing for you and to bring all these shows to you, because it's not just our show. We have many shows on Trek FM that need support and need funding. And the one way that you can do that as a fan and to show your support is through a program called Patreon.com. And this is Ken's favorite part of the show because he is so good at letting people know what Patreon.com slash Trek FM is all about. So take it away, Chief. Okay, so Patreon is the service Trek.fm employs to receive donations. For our listener-supported network, Norm, Jeff, and I are all large donators to the network, and we appreciate whatever you can afford to do to help us bring you interruption-free podcasting. 
So if you could, please log into Patreon. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trek dot F-M. And see the perks you can receive for the level of donations you can afford. And they include exclusive content, uh, produ- associate producer credit, a seat on the patrons roundtable, all kinds of th- all kinds of different uh, goodies there. So all of us at Trek.fm and especially Standard Orbit appreciate your support. And for the associate producer level, we always have to thank those who are just have gone a little bit more above and beyond at that specific level for associate producer and ours for this show are Renee Roberts and Richard Rutledge. Thank you, Renee, and thank you, Richard, for supporting Standard Orbit for all of these episodes, not just the episodes that we've been on, this new remastering crew, this refit crew, but the episodes that Mike and Drew are on when they were hosting the show. And you can find Renee on Twitter at MRES underscore 1701. You can find Richard at RUT8972. And I love saying this because we are almost on con season. So with con season approaching and you want to make sure that you're looking your best, why not wear something with a Trek FM logo on it? So if you go to redbubble.com, enter Trek FM in the search field, and you can find a wide assortment, gorgeous assortment of specifically designed costume wear for Trek FM with the logo on it that you could wear during Comic-Con, that you can wear during the, the Paramount event, especially the Paramount event, because we would love for you to be able to show your support of the network at that event. So go to redbubble.com and type Trek FM in the search field. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on Trek FM slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. You can go to speakpipe.com slash Trek FM and please leave us a voice message. So let us know what you think of our show. And we would love to be able to play that for you on the air because we like inter- uh, interacting with our fans. You mean everything to us. And without you, nobody listens to us. So that is a fact. <laughs> that is not an opinion. That is a fact. Um, that's the science officer in me talking. And you can always find us on Twitter at, fa- at Trek FM and Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. But the, the way that we really interact with the fans is on the Babel Conference. That's our Trek FM specific listeners page. Type B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at Trek FM. Click discussion on the menu bar. You can find me there. You can find the chief there. You can find Mr. Atos is there. And uh, sometimes Mrs. Atos is there too, uh, making sure that he's not dilly-dallying in the Atavacron and not uh, making his way over to the dinner table. So yeah, I outed you. So <laughs> please visit us at the Babel Conference. That's B-A-B-E-L. And put that into your search field on Facebook. Now, how can we get in touch with you? When we say something right, say something wrong, something that you don't agree with, something that you disagree with, this is how we can get in touch with you. Or you can get in touch with us. So Ken, please let all of our listeners know how they can get in touch with you just in case they have something special to send you. Like a stump Mr. Atos question. I do have two questions for Mr. for stump Mr. Atos, but we're running out of time today. So don't worry, Roy, and don't worry, William. We're going to get these questions to him. I'm pretty sure you're going to get shirts out of this one because um, he's been so overloaded with the impact of Beyond. His brain is ready to explode. So don't worry about it. This is the best way to get That's to right. him. That's right. So, so to contact me is best through the Babel Conference, and you can IM me directly on Facebook. That's that's where I do my uh, communicating. I do not belong to any other kind of social media outlets, Twitter, anything along those lines. Like I say all the time, I really don't have anything that important to say. Uh, and you know, as, as, as we all hear, we're all, we're all patrons on the network. I think I've recently been promoted to chancellor overlord producer of the network. So I think that's, uh, in my contract with Chris, I'm just waiting to get back. If not, it might still be associate producer. Anyway, 
That's a good rank. You like that? That's a good yeah, rank. I, th- yeah, I, th- I, I like think that. that's definitely earned. It, uh, I'll take that in, yeah. in lieu of a raise. Okay. We can sure. do that. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Mr. Atos, how about yourself? Well, if you don't have access to an Atavacron or even a ball of red matter that you can use to open a uh, black hole wormhole into uh, alternate timelines, you can always find me on the Babel Conference and Facebook. I'm the co-host here on the network for both Standard Orbit and for Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise show. I'm also on Twitter, at Harlander, and I'm a supporter of the network through Patreon. You can also check out my website. It's been called The Grand Unified Theory of Star Trek at trekopedia.com and my independent comic books at bandwidthcomics.com or search on Facebook for Bandwidth Comics. So thanks, Mr. Atos, for being on the show. Mrs. Atos, Megan, thank you for being on the show. We really appreciated you being here and sharing all of your memories with us of that night. So is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? Uh, no, this was just fun. Okay. Well, it's fun having you on and we hope to have you on again. <laughs> I think she liked because, it. I think she's ready for showbiz. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that, I think it should, we have a stump Mrs. Atos question for sure. Sometime in the future. Oh, I'm going to be working on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. I think the first question is going to be next time you get a poster, where does it go? But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> I'm just teasing so you, Megan. Again. I'm just teasing you. Thanks again, Megan. <laughs> If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always find me here on the network. You can always find me on the Babel Conference. I like making all those great connections with you to all of our fans. You can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Twitter at Starfighter1701. So thanks everyone for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.